Welcome to another edition of the Coffee Cast with Cation. Mike Cation joined by Noah Rubin. Noah, how are you? This, uh, it's mon- Monday afternoon is when we're recording this one today. It is, yes. Yeah, nice to start off the week like this. This Coffee Cast, of course, is sponsored by our good friends at New Balance Tennis. I have to tell you, I just tried on their new fresh foam shoes this past week. And they are phenomenal, the most comfortable shoe I've ever been in. Um, so make sure you can check those out at newbalance.com. Uh, data to dominate their fresh foam is absolutely flawless. So make sure to check that out. And they've got their semi-annual sale on right now. So again, newbalance.com. And we thank their for their sponsorship of the Coffee Cast. And we want to start by just taking a, a little bit of a recap on the week that was. Uh, the last week, and I guess we need to start with the the lone grass court specialist that is left in the world. She is American. She is Allison Risk. What an incredible couple of weeks she's had, uh, picking up her second WTA title in her Toggenbosch yesterday. Five match points fought off, beating, beating Kiki Burton's. Uh, what's it mean to be a grass court specialist, and is she the lone one, Noah? I mean, it's truly an incredible feat. I mean, we don't you just don't play on the surface anymore. I mean, not a lot of people do. Um, you know, you have some of the English that do, but in the States, it doesn't happen. And to have somebody that is this dominant on a surface is great. I mean, and, and we need that support. Uh, a lot of credit to Billy Heiser, the Add to Performance team. I mean, he's an Illinois guy. I got to shout him out as, as her coach. Um, they've obviously been putting in a ton of work. The other guy who's the, the male side who's dominating on the grass, granted, it's a challenger, but Dan Evans. Pick a, a couple yeah. of challenger titles in the last couple of weeks. I mean, he is he is a like disaster to deal with with that low slice on the backhand wing. Um, so I, I imagine that makes him especially potent on the grass. Have you played him on the grass? Oh yeah, I mean, I played him on the hard, okay. and he kind of tore me up. If anybody remembers that match in any well, so I can only imagine what it's like on grass when that ball just stays a little bit lower and a little bit quicker. Yeah, he, he's going to be dominant on the surface. He's going to be tough. You know, I don't want to bring it out now, but it's possibly tough during Wimbledon main draw. And, you know, that that's a, that's somebody you don't want to see out there. Yeah, I talked to Bjorn about it, Bjorn Fratangelo, a couple years mm-hmm. ago. I think he has like an 0-6 yes. record against Evans. <laughs> yes, and he always t- talks about that. He's Evans. just like, I can't, I can't do anything with that slice. It's just on, like, I try to get underneath it on my backhand and I just can't. So, I, again, on the grass, that has got to be so nasty. Yeah, just disgusting. When somebody knows their game and that's all they do, you know, if you know your identity, you can't get around that sometimes. That That's a tough feat to beat somebody like that. Other winners on the men's side uh, at the ATP level, Berrettini, Manorino. Uh, I have to admit, Noah, I, a few years ago, having seen Adrian Manorino coming through at the challenger level, uh, even just a couple of years ago, I saw him in Lexington losing to Mitchell Kruger, and I never would have thought, honestly, that he would be an ATP champion. I, I will f- fully admit that. So, heck of an effort. <laughs> no, I mean the game. You know the game is styled and fitted that if you know if he's playing well that week, if he's taking the ball early like he knows how, he's you know he's trouble for a lot of players. And you know I think he's had a few ATP finals if I'm correct, yes. and this is his first title. So you know all the power to him. But again, another unique player on the baseline, not moving from there. And if he's if he's feeling it, he's feeling it. And I want to give credit as well to Jordan Thompson, who was a guest on the Coffee Cast last week into his, I believe it was his first ATP final in Hurtagenbosch, losing to Manorino. But uh, that's a guy who really struggled last couple of years at the ATP level. 
um, and, and finally having some of those breakthrough moments um, at the French, now here in Hertogenbosch. That's, that's a good guy. Uh, I know you, what, did you play him last year in Stockton? Is that right? Am I right in thinking that? And, and played him at the New York Open this year again. Yeah. You know, we always have great matches, uh, very, very tight. I mean, this is, this is a guy who I respect fully because he just fights. I mean, I don't know if I always agree with his scheduling, <laughs> but I mean, a guy that travels the world and no matter where he is, the situation, he's going to put it all out there and he's fun to watch, a lot of emotion and, you know, to have, a, you know, some more success in the ATP tour. Um, it's great. It really is. And that's why I wanted to talk about Jordan before we get to the meat here of the coffee cast for this week, which is talking about mental health. That is not to say that Jordan Thompson is somebody who deals with mental health, but I, I did want to kind of talk about the fact that he's one of those unique guys who somehow has been able to find a way, no matter where he is, no matter what the level, no matter which match, he's able to give 100%. And that's something that is, frankly, pretty rare. So I wanted to have this discussion to start talking about mental health within the sport of tennis. And I wanted to start, Noah, with just kind of giving us an idea as a player what it's like in those initial couple of moments immediately after you you lose a match. And, and maybe a final's a little bit different, so we'll take that out just because you have to go through the trophy mm -hmm. presentation and all that. And you've already reached the end of the week. That's a, a solid thing. But it's a second or third round of a tournament. What are the immediate 5, 10, 15 minutes like right after you lose a match? You immediately think about everything that went wrong. All the things that you didn't do throughout the match that you wish you could have. You're thinking about the opportunities that were lost, the points that you should have done differently, all those little, little things, the intricate things of a, of a tennis match. As soon as that gets put to the side, then the real tough situation comes into play. Then you're thinking about, was this a wasted week? Did I not make the points or the money? Did I not defend the points that I did last year? And you're looking at all of the potential upside that could have come with this win, that now you're going to have to wait a full another week until you can progress and get that money back and get some more ATP points. And that's the real troubling part is that waiting game now. You know, if you're losing, let's say, you know, second round of a challenger, third round of a challenger, that might be a, a Wednesday and then you won't play until the following Monday, that gives you a few days of preparation to the next tournament. But those days can be filled with a lot of emotion. You know, you're, you're watching the tournament progress. You're watching other people progress. And that that has a toll on you because you think you should have been, you should have been there. Then you're just, you know, you're looking at the financial side. You're, you're paying for the hotels. You're paying for the rental car. And you're, you're wondering, when should I go to the next tournament? When should I stay here? And all that other stuff. There's a lot of thoughts that go through your head. And when you're alone... They could boil up sometimes, and it leads to some really true frustrating moments. Is that really, I mean, does that idea of traveling already for the next week and that money, is that something that really pops in your head within 15 minutes of a match? I would have to say it does. Uh, there's a lot of thoughts. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've, let's say, I, I could put it in perspective, I've booked flights within 10 minutes hmm. of my match being done. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there have been times where I am still on the court and I'm already on American Airlines. That's just how frustrating and emotional some of these you know, moments can become. So yes, I mean, once you're getting into that, once you're thinking about, okay, it's Wednesday, do I have people to practice with here? Do I have a hotel at the next place? You know, you're looking at you know, just the ins and outs of the travel. 
Um, you know, and then and then once those are done, then you're going back to just being frustrated and the lost opportunity of the tournament and and how you know the fifteen hundred dollars in the Challenger Tour and the you know the hotel that you lost, how how you just lost a lot of money this week, or and the points didn't really matter. You must have maybe gained eight to you know fifteen points, and that what is that going to do for your ranking? So you're thinking about all of this honestly within fifteen to thirty minutes of the match being done. And you mentioned the idea of loneliness. Um, this is something we've talked about a couple of times now over the last three weeks, but really haven't gotten into heavily. You are often in a hotel room by yourself. How often are you guys uh, sharing rooms, especially at the challenger level? I know it doesn't happen uh, at the higher levels, but are, are you ever roommates with somebody uh, at the challenger level? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a way to split the hotel room because there are times where I'm not playing again there's in between times where the the tournament's not paying for the hotel so you want to get you know a better deal so I'm sharing it I was with Martin Ridlicky in Little Rock when we were doing a few of the coffee casts and yeah there are definitely times when you're splitting the room um that is just literally to save money it's nice to have somebody um by your side because again the loneliness does does actually have an effect on your mental state how you're feeling that week you know, not a lot and very few of us actually have coaches or physios or friends with us. So we have to, you know, have to rely on our competitors, which is the weirdest statement of all time. Yeah, it's it's I was actually having a conversation with a collegiate player today at the Tulsa Futures. Uh, well, I'll be doing some of their social media later this week. I'm actually pretty excited about that. But, you know, they in from a college perspective, a college tennis player doesn't necessarily have that idea of what it's like when you are out especially if you're in a foreign country for five, six straight weeks. You might have somebody that you're sharing a room with. You might have one or two uh, fellow English speakers for yourself. Uh, obviously, in here in the States, for a lot of players from South America, from Eastern Europe, might not have too many people who speak your language. That's a really lonely existence when you're having to rely on FaceTime, when you're having to rely on Skype to be able to be in contact with those people who you love um, be it friends or family, isn't it? It's tough enough when you're winning. Now put losing into the mix. So there are times where I'm, you know, I'm speaking to friends and family, and they're like, "Yo, you just seem off," and I'm like, you know, I kind of call it that bleh moment because you don't know how to really attribute it to anything. It's just you're feeling this sense of loneliness. You're feeling this sense of almost lost because you have nobody around you that's really supporting you, and you're also taking on this extremely tough profession of playing professional tennis and loss. And then you're putting all these other emotions and feelings into the mix. And that's when these, you know, true problems, these true, you know, depression and other things like that come into play. When you don't have that support system, you know, at your reach, you know, it's only by phone. And then you, you know, you're also not succeeding. It's, it's a really difficult circumstances. So with your behind the racket work, um, I, there are two particular examples that stood out to me in terms of players who are willing to talk more about the mental health side, that being Katie Swan, the young Brit, and Nicole Gibbs, who has been very public with her battle with depression, mental health issues. And I'm wondering, uh, this is kind of a twofold question. Number one, what's it been like to talk to those two particular athletes, uh, Nicole Gibbs and, and Katie Swan, as well as just getting a sense um, from talking to this large group of athletes that you've talked to in terms of how many players are not able to necessarily put um, a framing on it, wording of, 
I am depressed or I'm, I'm suffering from anxiety, something along those lines. Yeah, I think through my behind the racket work, I've seen that a large majority of players have dealt with this emotion that they can't put the words into. And if it's if we're considering it, you know, slight forms of depression, it's possible. It definitely is. And speaking to a lot of players such as Nicole Gibbs and Katie Swan, they've really even opened my eyes to how in-depth some of these feelings can go because I've dealt with them myself and I know other players have, but and, and I'm trying to open up myself even more to that idea and showing people that's okay to talk about it. But with the help of these players, it's been incredible. You know, Nicole Gibbs is somebody that at this time, at some of the heights of her anxiety, she was top 100 in the world. She was around 70 in the world. So this idea that it gets better, <laughs> you know, it gets better when you're breaking, you know, into the top 100. Yeah, it's possible. But at the same time, that's not going to fully change her happiness. And you know, hearing her stories, hearing how she was having such a successful year or two years, but she couldn't find that happiness. She was miserable. You know, one, it gives you that sense of worry that tennis is not going to get better just by itself. You need people around it to help players through this. And I think that's where we have to get to. And hearing from Katie Swan that she was dealing with so many moments outside of the world of tennis and while dealing with those outside moments she had to play you know at an extremely high level of ten- i mean that's a very difficult thing to ask of somebody even you know at that age i mean she was, she's 20 years old and you're half you're you know she's dealing with death she's dealing with you know major crisis in, in, in a family but also has to you know break through the top 100 i mean you're asking so much of these young people people that haven't you know, necessarily have the experience of life. And now it's thrown onto them quickly. And within tennis, I don't think it's been a great enough support system to help one another out. And I think that's what I'm trying to get to with everybody sharing the story with um, the help I'm trying to work with Talkspace, which is an online psychology group that can easily connect you to a professional. I'm just trying to spread the word that says we're all here to help each other. Let's get better together. Yeah, that's something that I've been talking about, and I know you and I talked about this in back in January, and I had this just kind of question about what type of outreach opportunities there are for both men's and women's tennis players. And I know you've been in, in talks with Talkspace quite a bit over the last couple of weeks and months. Um, what, what opportunities are available, though, from essentially the the employers if you will the atp wta how do they try to help with mental health um if 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 at all yes and this was a major problem and i and i've been in talks with the atp actually really closely because i i went up to them and said i'm showing you that there are problems these are players coming out to me and saying we all have issues and i'm trying to give them the platform but you know i'm not a doctor i'm not going to help them through unless i'm just giving them an ear and ATP wasn't doing enough at the time. Now that I've been in relation, I've, I've learned that they're doing a lot more in this field, trying to get a lot more professionals, trying to open it up, and they're, they're asking for my opinion based on the best way to do so. I've been in talks with uh, Talkspace, this, this online, the social media-based psychology group, and it seems like a great plan so far, and it just allows people to text when you know when you're on your road when you know you may be embarrassed to go in somewhere and it's completely anonymous and you don't have to plan for a time you can text a psychologist and they will get back to you 
and this way it's on your time you know it's in your bedroom it's very you know it's efficient it's easy and then you can make a time to facetime with a doctor as well but again and i'm working with atp so they can connect to each other because there's not enough for tennis players right now it is such an individual sport there are so many issues again with substance abuse and depression that we need we need help now and i'm trying to speed it along speed it along as best as possible and for right now at least get behind the racket to be a platform for players to open up and and have this sense of community around this mental health you know it's it's definitely broaden the horizons i've gotten to a lot of players that said i would never have done this in the past but now that you've given players the opportunity i am now willing to share and that's been the greatest part of this venture so far yeah you obviously majority of the players you've talked with are male um and i i think it's kind of noteworthy that katie and nicole are the ones who have really come out and talked about that and and been more um, on the mental health side um, than some of the male tennis players. And I, I guess I'm wondering, there's there's always been a stigma when it comes to mental health. Um, and I, I imagine that for most of the male, your male counterparts, they have no idea how to even broach this subject with a, a friend, a family member, anything like that, let alone um, a mental health professional. Yeah, I mean... You know, I hope this doesn't come off as sexist, but when some, some, sometimes you come up with this masculinity issue where men have to be all tough and they have this idea, and especially, you know, with one another in a competitive sport, yes. individual sport like tennis, and that's the issues. What we have to understand as tennis players, as athletes, is that nobody else understands us as well as one another. What we go through the issues on court, off court, the travel, everything, the loneliness, nobody else understands except for the people that are going through it. Your family will be there for you. Of course, they love you, but there's a certain empathy that is lost because they are not going through it. They haven't been through it. And I want to get this idea that, yes, we're going to compete with each other off, you know, on the court, and it's going to be a weekly thing, but we can still be there for one another and help each other through these really tough times. And I think that's one of the initiatives of Behind the Racket is to really broaden this idea that, you know, we can share, we could be a little vulnerable and it won't affect our tennis. We're still going to get out there and want to beat each other up. That's fine. But off the court, you know, if you see somebody having a true issue, go up to them, say, I'm here for you if you need to talk. And I'm finding this change slowly, but I'm finding it taking place because I'm just giving players the platform and this idea that it's okay to speak up. Yeah, I just, you know, if, from my perspective, I do see that a little bit more. And there have been times, even in my job as the broadcaster, where I've had players come up and talk to me and uh, about nothing related to tennis for a while just because they feel like they need an outlet. Um, uh, somebody who is not... A competitor not a national coach mm. and they just need somebody to speak to who's going to be able to listen to them about some normal problems that they might be having off of the court um, and it's been something I've been really interested in myself I have dealt with depression all my life um, I have I've spent nights in a mental health institution when I was suicidal it is something I'm deeply passionate about um, and it's it's heartbreaking from my side to see that there's not, again, most of it at the challenger level, I see players who just are sitting there right off the court. And one of the, the, one of the things I wanted to bring up, the social media out, 
outreach in, in terms of yes. just the, the negative comments. Um, right. You are getting death threats from gamblers um, without really much of an idea of how to fix that so that they, they don't they can't reach out to you anymore. Um, you know, you're, you're getting all of the, that on top of the fact that you just lost a heartbreaking match in your fourth week on the road. And I, I feel such empathy for the, the athlete in that moment. And I, I don't know how you overcome it and how you don't look at some of those social media posts when you're feeling so down. It's, it's nearly impossible. It really truly is. And we're going to have social media. That's how it is. But, and no matter how people say it may not affect them. Once you're really down and then you see these negative hate mail on top yeah. of it, it's really tough to put that aside. I mean, a quick story, I know we don't have that much time, but I lost this past year, I lost in the first round of qualifying in Marbella. It was a challenger. This was the first time that I lost in qualifying in a very, very long time. And it was that topped off a seven match losing streak. Mm-hmm. Earlier that year, I won a challenger. Now, here I am, seven matches in a row lost. So that's about two months. And it was first round of qualifying. And I'm sitting, it is pitch black in this club in Spain. And I'm sitting and I feel, and I'm just breaking down in tears. I feel so alone. There is nobody around to help. And on top of that, I'm on my phone and I'm just looking at hate mail. It's, you, there's no, I can't even portray the sense of loneliness I felt. I wasn't home. I wasn't in a country. I didn't speak the language. I lost and I feel like such a failure after so much effort was put into tennis. After so much effort was put into the practice, these these prior weeks coming leading up to the tournament, and here I am, the most depressed I've been in, in some time that I can remember. I mean, true, true heartbreak, like I've never felt where I couldn't stop the tears. This is what tennis players deal with, and we need a sense of community to help com- you know, combat that a little it bit. It seems like one thing you've done um, in, in terms of how you've helped yourself cope with it is to try to spend more time at home with your friends and family, I, I know you're one of those guys that you you often will spend a couple of days at home visiting your girlfriend, visiting your family, going back just to New York City just for a couple of days, which makes you feel normal. And I think you're one of the rare ones in that regard. Um, that seems like that's a yeah, unique I mean, thing that you do. Not everybody has the luxury to travel that extra step. But I need it. I need that sense of home. I need that sense of you know true family that I have in New York. And I just love New York itself. It makes me feel whole again. So if I can have that, and if I can have that as much as I can, that's going to allow me to be in the best frame of mind to take a loss, to take the loneliness on the road. Because I know that after the two, three weeks are done, I can be home and I can have that feeling again. Without that, I don't know how other players do it when they're on the road for even two, three months at a time without their family. I mean, you know, I, I, another BTR with Ruan Rolofsson. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's a man that, you know, he couldn't even have enough money to get home at a certain point yeah. in his career. So he couldn't even even think about going home to his family and being whole again. And he had to find a way to get to the next tournament, make some more money, and then find a way home. I mean, this these are tough, tough, brutal situations that players have to deal with. And that's why... We have to help each other along the way. We're all dealing with the same issues. Some deal with it better than others. But lend you know, lend that hand, and that's what I'm trying to have BTR, be a more of a sense of community where fans and players can help each other out. Yeah, it's it's certainly an admirable goal, um, and, I, and I, I think you know, obviously, I hope that it 
continues to grow and blossom in that regard. Um, I'm, I'm, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be spending my week uh, here at the Tulsa Futures event, 25K. Um, ran into Martin Redlicky this morning. Um, he, even though I told him a couple of weeks ago that I'd be seeing him, I think he still was stunned that I was that I was at a futures, and um, <laughs> it's it's going to be really interesting because it is you know you and I spend uh, the majority of our year at the challenger level in the futures. It's it's even tougher. Um, I, I was watching yeah. qualifying today, and you're out there by yourself. You don't even have a, a an umpire in the chair, no lines people, mm. and it's just like man, this is. This is a tough living, a tough, tough road to think about the fact that I have to go through this first level to get to the challenger level to get to maybe some 250s. Um, and yeah, it's unfathomable. Yeah, and there's unfathomable. I mean, when I was 15, I played my first one. I remember somebody clearly saying to me, you don't want to be here. <laughs> that was all I remember. And that I mean, that stuck with me to this day. And, you know, if somebody thought about that at that level, I'm sure there was another person at the challenger level yeah. that was thinking that. And, and that's that, that's the issue with the tennis. And, God, the future level, it's another beast. It really is. Well, you mentioned Talkspace. And I want to make sure that maybe – I assume it's Talkspace.com. Is that correct? Yes, I believe so. Okay, because I want to make sure that people uh, – we've had a lot of players who have been listening. Um, obviously, a lot of media interest as well. But I want – people to start to have this understanding of this is an outlet um, that people can go to. I, I know I've been open to any players who have come and tried to talk to me, but I'm also not a trained professional myself. You are not either. Um, but these are opportunities, not only if you're a tennis player, um, but if you're somebody who, who needs some help um, at home. Um, I know I when, when I was suicidal and uh, I, I was trying to talk to my best friend and I missed my best friend's wedding but I, it was one of those moments where I couldn't bother him and I had a 24-hour hotline back in Champaign, Illinois that I reached out to that probably saved my life um, and I wouldn't be here without that and so it's one of these things that now especially with a younger generation the ability to do it on social media um, and, and just engage with somebody who's willing to tell you that you know even though you mentioned it earlier it does get better Maybe not on the tennis side right now, but it does get better in your life. Um, and so that's why I think Talkspace is such a great opportunity, whether you're an athlete, whether you're not an athlete, just to find somebody who's willing to talk with you in that moment when you're at your darkest hour to try and get through that particular moment and move on to the next one. Well, let's take a uh, take a, a shift here in in kind of the seriousness to a little bit more lighthearted as we take a look ahead to this week in tennis. I know you're going to be heading out what Friday, is that right? Yes, Friday, Friday to England. So that's very. I know that's exciting for you just to kind of get ready for the grass court season. I'm sure there's some really good memories at Wimbledon, even though qualies are are not at Wimbledon itself. Still nice to be on the grass, you know. Uh, completely different feeling has that almost exhibition feel to it because nobody's used to the grass but it's always fun you know it's just exciting tennis and i think a, a lot of the tennis eyes are obviously going to be on queens um this week and obviously yes. there's hallie on the women's side it's birmingham and majorca um, but most people are going to be paying attention to andy murray in doubles um yes. what's, what's your expectation nice to see him back. i mean what's your expectation realistically I want to see a smile. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I you know, it'd even be nice to see a little bit of the complaining of the <laughs> old Andy Murray that we all yeah. miss. You know, just kind of getting that good feel back that, you know, maybe has a couple years left of of just enjoying it. No expectation of him from us. Just grind out some matches, have some fun, hopefully the body's up for it. 
you know, that just that English wit and, and charm. Uh, that's kind of about it. I mean, you know, if he gets that done and, and feels good at the end of the week, I think that's a success story. The other big comeback story in Queens is uh, Kevin Anderson, Wimbledon finalist a year ago, uh, picked up a first-round mm-hmm. win today against Cam Norrie. Uh, he hadn't played since, what, Australian, I believe. Did he, did he play one match yeah. after Australia or shut it down right after Australia? I think he shut it down yeah. right off Australia, but I could be no, wrong. No, I think that's right, because I was actually in the player box for that one when he lost to Francis. Okay. And, yeah, I just remember. Fighting a line You know, we, we <laughs> stick together. There's not a ton of us. You stick together. <laughs> We're very <laughs> proud of that. But, yeah, it's good to see Kevin back as well, a guy who has achieved some incredible feats over the last couple of years. Uh, lots that we talked about here today, and I know that we've been getting a lot of feedback um, over the last couple of weeks in, in terms of some of our discussions, and I think this one is one that might spur even more conversation. Uh, Noah, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yes, please, on any platform, Twitter and Instagram are the best platforms right now, Noah Rubin 33 or Behind the Racket, and ask any questions, talk to me, I'll, I'm open to everything, and if you need more details about Talkspace, please, um, I'm free, and just, just let me know your thoughts. And I met Mike C. Tennis on both Twitter and Instagram, made the big change this week. Uh, very, very excited <laughs> uh, about that. So Mike C. Tennis is where you can reach out. Uh, for me, if you want any, I've, I've gone through the mental health ringer over the last couple of years. If you have any questions about mental health, um, substance abuse, treatment, um, I'm, I'm certainly, I love to have those conversations so we can possibly get somebody um, headed in the right direction um, with their life. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, the interactions we've had on Twitter the last couple of weeks have been really inspiring. Um, and, and we'll, of course, start bringing these to you every Monday afternoon, as long as our schedules allow. There might be a day or two uh, that we might have to move if, if Noah's playing or traveling. And if I'm broadcasting, we might have to move things just a little bit. But we'll try to be here every Monday. Again, our thanks to the sponsor for this week's Coffee Cast, New Balance and New Balance Tennis. Visit them and get the data to dominate at newbalance.com. For Noah Rubin, I'm Mike Cation. You've been listening to The Coffee Cast with Cation.